Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk to listener Marissa with some tips from her recent trip about art of animation, transportation, and dining at Disney World. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Shout out and thank you to Zotapop for leaving a review recently. If you're looking to plan a Disney vacation, let me be your travel agent at no cost to you so that I can do all the hard work for you and you can just enjoy your trip. Get started today by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. And if you'd like to ask a question on the podcast, connect with us at www.deciphered on Twitter, on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered, or by emailing us, disneydeciphered at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As The Joe Flies, and Leslie from Trips With Tykes is not here with me today. She had some family stuff to take care of, but thankfully, we got a great guest today. Marissa Martin, hailing from Mississippi, was in Disney during December, and Leslie and I realized it's a elephant in the room. You know, we haven't been to the parks for over a year, but luckily, we have listeners who have been to the parks and who can give us useful information to share with you all about what to expect if you are going to the Disney Park sometime soon. So Marissa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And like I was just telling you off air, you're actually doing us a huge solid by helping out. Great. I love to talk Disney. So this is fun for me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your family. How big of Disney fans are you? How often do you guys try to make it out to the parks? Well, it's myself and my husband, Justin, and we have two kids. My son, Ridley, is eight, and my daughter, Mabry, is six. This was their third trip to the Disney parks, but I'm the real huge Disney fan in the family and have been going since I was a kid pretty regularly. So I wanted to keep that tradition going with my family, and this was a special trip for us because we have not been, I have never been to the park during um, a holiday. So we always try to avoid those times due to crowds, but this was a trip originally scheduled for July when the parks were closed. And so just kind of doing some research and talking with my trip planner, we thought let's try a Christmas trip this year because they're going to have reduced capacity and it might not be all that everyone's used to during a holiday season, but we've never been. So we really wouldn't know the difference. So we were just excited to be there for a holiday. So we were there um, the December 16th through the 21st. That's awesome. Remind me, didn't Mississippi fall in the, like, all those drive states had, like, a deal that Disney was running? Is, is that right? Did you get a discount Yes, on that? I think we got, like, 35% off on our hotel, I believe, because, and we'll get to it in a minute. I think we're going to talk about the Little Mermaid Room, but that typically does not get discounted, and it did get discounted during that promotion that they were running. So that was a bonus. <laughs> I remember being quite jealous about the uh, drive state discount. So it's great that uh, you got in on that. So you were there a few days before Christmas. How many days did you spend in the parks? Four, four full days in the parks. And we go from rope drop to close the parks. I mean, we're in there all day. <laughs> So we do the full, we do the full days and um, we went to, we always do Magic Kingdom first because that just kicks off our Disney trip in the right way and gets us in the Disney spirit, if you will. And then we went to Hollywood Studios the next day, Epcot, and then ended with Animal Kingdom. Beautiful. I love to hear it. 
we wanted to focus on three main things today with you. And like I said at the beginning, really want to just help people to plan their trips as much as possible. So today we're going to focus on your room, the Little Mermaid room at Art of Animation. I've stayed at Art of Animation in the car suite, but I have not had experience with the Little Mermaid room. So I'm excited to hear about that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how transportation works, since I know everything is different since Disney reopened. And then finally, you had a lot of great dining experiences, and it's just going to be great to get some on the ground recaps of what is going on with Disney dining wise right now. So let's start with the art of animation and the little mermaid room. Sure. Like you said, it's like never discounted, but you got it discounted and they do look like really cute rooms. They are so cute. The whole art of animation, we usually stay at moderate resorts just because that's creature comforts that we like, but this is a good time to go because they were running the discount. Um, It had just opened November 1st, so we weren't being the guinea pigs on having the hotel be, you know, right open when we arrived, so they had some time to get ready. I think they started these renovations in March, I think. They're just uh, little touches that I think make a big difference. They changed to queen-size beds, and they're the raised beds so that you can put your suitcase underneath. And that came in handy because there's very little drawer space. We're a family of four and I had to get really creative with laying our clothes out from our suitcases because they have a very small nightstand, which is fine. And they have what appears to be a pretty big chest of drawers, but half of it is the mini fridge inside. It's kind of like the hidden door. So you really only have three drawers. And that was about enough to put most of my kids' clothes in, but my husband and I didn't really have a place to lay out our clothes. So I laid out the whole, the ironing board in the closet area and just put that out flat and like laid our clothes on top of that and kind of worked from there and then hung what we could. So it was a little bit tight on the the drawer space and things like that for our clothes, but so cute. They have very clean white linens everywhere. The tile in the shower is super fun and totally on theme. They have coffee pots in the room, so you don't have to make a long run to get your coffee in the morning. They also have cute little hooks for your coats or for your backpacks, and that came in handy just to get your stuff up off the floor. But it was really cute, and I loved it. Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney movie, so we just ate up the theming of the whole hotel because uh, we're also big Cars fans, and that was actually, we got off the Magical Express and went straight to the Cars area and just walked through there and took tons of pictures, so that was really fun. It's just, it's over-the-top theming, but the kids love Loved it and it was so fun. Yeah, it's funny. You get the Disney movie theming more when you're at these value resorts. I was talking to a friend the other day whose kid loves cars, but I think. I want to say they were either staying at a moderate or like a deluxe, but I was like, you should just uh, head over to Art of Animation and just walk around. It's almost like an outdoor museum for cars lovers. Yes. I mean, it's, it's beyond. It just, you feel like you're right there in the movie and the cozy cone pool. It was too cold for us to swim, but it was so cute just to go sit in one of those cozy cones. And it's a great hotel. And I would, I would recommend it to anybody for the family suites or for just the room, the room, the little mermaid room is just a one family room. And it was enough space for us and we were comfortable for the week. So it was great. One last question about the room. It's Leslie's favorite question. It's a big deal for her whether there is a curtain or a door or nothing between the room itself and the bathroom yes. area, like the sink and stuff it's like that. Curtain. So it's okay. a curtain. It's a curtain. Yeah. At least there's something. There is something, but it's it's simply a curtain. <laughs> I had to make sure I got that question out of the way for Leslie. I agree. <laughs> yeah. She, she. It's a big deal for her. 
Yes. You were at Art of Animation, which of course has become a lot more popular along with Pop Century because it is on the Skyliner. So the next thing I really want to cover with you is just kind of your experience with transportation, getting to and from the park. So, you know, let's start with the Skyliner. Okay. So it seems like you are a rope dropping family. And the question I have for rope droppers who want to go on the Skyliner from Pop, like I've seen like long lines in the morning. So can you give me a little bit of your experience lining up for the Skyliner? Did you get there like super early? You know, what what, what kind of tips do you have for people well, riding the Skyliner from Pop Century and Art of Animation? Sure. We did not use the Skyliner to rope drop only for Epcot because we found that the buses were running earlier than the Skyliner. They were pretty hard and fast with their start times, which was about an hour before the park arrival times were. And we kind of checked out both situations each morning. And if we saw that the buses were running, we would just go ahead and get on a bus. But we used them more in the afternoon and in the evenings. But the morning we went to Epcot, of course, Epcot didn't open till 11 that day. So we had breakfast at the Riviera and then got in line for the Skyliner to go to Epcot, I believe around 10 o'clock a little bit before 10 and they were not running the Skyliner before 10. So we did wait in a slight line, but it didn't take very long for it to move through. And we were in the world showcase by 10, 15. And then they let us wait there till we had to get through security and get our temp checks and all that. So to me, it wasn't the best for the rope dropping just because it wasn't the earliest option. That's interesting. Before Disney shut down, they kind of made a big deal that they were only going to run one bus per hour from Art of Animation and Pop Century. But it sounds like, uh, to Epcot and Hollywood Studios, that is because of the Skyliner. But it Mm -hmm. sounds like because these buses aren't running as full, it sounds like they're running more. That's probably the case. I mean, I wouldn't... (laughs) I don't feel like I I know exactly if they're running more or not, but I you can tell you. You weren't there counting buses, I, just I sitting there I wasn't counting at the buses. Bus I can't, you know, say from previous trips, but I will say that we did not wait for a bus anytime, except for maybe a bit Magical Express at the airport for over five minutes. And the buses have the plexiglass in between the seating sections. They seat you with your party. And beyond that, they have the plexiglass. And you know how full a Disney bus could get in the olden times (laughs) before all this, but it's nothing like that anymore. A full bus now is like everybody has a seat, not people standing, not standing room only. Uh, But even that we oftentimes it was just us and a couple of other parties on a bus. The bus transportation was the most efficient it has ever been in my experience. So they clearly had to be running more buses and the direct routes. Now there is only one bus stop at Art of Animation, but the direct routes make such a big difference. I feel like right now is a dream for buses just because when those Disney buses get packed, especially at the end of the night, it can be pretty rough. So it must be right. nice. It was nothing like that this go round. Um, they were very conscious about seeing you with your party and trying to skip spaces if they could. Then they had the plexiglass there as another barrier. So very efficient. And I, I always felt very safe. And did things seem crowded overall? I know, you know, generally that week, isn't too crowded just because everyone waits till the actual Christmas week uh, to right. pile in. But you know, how did it feel crowd wise? To me, I like to equate it to like when I would go in the mid nineties as a kid. Oh it yeah, was, those are the days. I was those there too. Are the days and you probably walked past <laughs> each other back then. Right, it was crowded, 
but I mean, it was, it was manageable. I mean, we had a wait for the big time rides sometimes that were, you know, exceeded an hour or posted an hour or more, but they never really were an hour. And it just was great. I mean, I never felt like it was overrun with people to where you felt like people were on top of you. It just seemed like how I recalled it as a child. So it was great in that respect. I mean, I think the really positive thing that I'm hearing is that crowds were busy, you know, for the current times that we're in, but the buses were still running really well. I mean, that was one thing I was worried about before Disney reopened. I was just like, if they're only running six parties or seven parties per bus, is it going to be a long wait time for the buses? So it's awesome to hear that you only had to wait like a maximum of five minutes. That would have been unheard of in the before times. Oh, right. They were so efficient. And it was our main go-to transportation. We totally love the Skyliner and it'll probably like influence where we stay in the future just because I typically like to have the two modes of transportation available, whether it be by boat or monorail or bus, but we didn't even step foot on the monorail the entire trip. In doing my research before the trip, the monorail was getting the lowest scores <laughs> from people. Yeah, who I, think had I think so, it still is. I think it still is. We were thankful for the Skyliner and we did just rely on the buses, but the Skyliner is great. The views, the you just get a different perspective on the parks. It's it's awesome. And I think it's a big plus for art, animation and pop for sure. Yeah, definitely a huge fan of Skyliner as well. Anything else you think people might need to know about transportation right now or have we uh, pretty much covered it? We would get to the bus routes early. I do want to, you know, preface that we were there very early in the morning. So I hope I'm not misrepresenting the wait times because we were trying to rope drop. So we may have beat the morning crowd slightly, but even in the afternoons and in the evenings, we had a late reservation and we were getting out of dinner right as the park was closing. Still no wait for the bus. So efficiency is all I can say. (laughs) That's the main word for the bus transportation. That's the key word for the day. Mm -hmm. So just to give people actual numbers, Remind me, was Magic Kingdom opening at 8 or 9 when you were there? Because I know uh, you sent me in the notes that you lined up for the bus at 7. Okay, so what they started to say was arrive by 8. But I think the actual park opening was 9. But we were in the park by 7.30 and had ridden all the big time rides that we wanted to get in by 9 o'clock and had ridden mine train twice. And could have gotten on Splash Mountain within that time frame as well, but it was a delayed opening for whatever reason. I think a mechanical problem. But yes, I mean, so I think it. I think the official opening time was nine a.m., and we didn't expect to even get in the gate before eight o'clock. But there we were at seven thirty, walking down Main Street. So that was pretty cool. Well, that's the power of the rope drop. And you do remind me that, yeah, around Christmas time, they were letting people in super early. So that's great that you took advantage of that. Early bird gets the worm, as always. All right, so let's move on to dining experiences. Uh, You dined at a few table service restaurants. I want to hear what were your experience like at the table service restaurants? And maybe just pick your favorite one and tell us a little bit about what that was like. Okay, so Tiffin's was a first time for us, and it was probably the best meal of the entire trip. And we got that reservation the morning of our Animal Kingdom Day. And it was great. Service was outstanding. 
we tried all the things. We got the octopus appetizer. I had soup and salad. The kids had shrimp. My husband had surf and turf. It was really a phenomenal meal. It was the last night of our stay and it happened to be raining that evening in Animal Kingdom. So we finished up in Pandora, went right to Tiffin's and it was just top notch. And I was so excited to get that reservation because it was just the morning of, we had not had a reservation for Animal Kingdom because I feel like they have really good quick service in that park and pretty readily available and in all the kingdoms and whatnot. So uh, wherever you are, you can usually find a really good place in that particular park. So I I didn't make a reservation, but we scored that Tiffin's one first thing in the morning and I'm glad we did. Very nice. Uh, Tiffin's, in case people don't know, is the signature restaurant that is right outside Pandora in Animal Kingdom. And that's a great tip. People cancel their reservations last minute all the time since there's that 24-hour cancellation thing. And I've been hearing that a lot of table service restaurants actually have a lot of availability kind of like the day before or the day of. Was it uh, crowded in there? We just talked to someone who said uh, they were at Hollywood and Vine and it was like social distancing paradise. Like there was no one within like 30 feet of them. Yes. And that's, that's odd for Hollywood and Vine because we have rolled that one out on our list because you're like rubbing elbows with people. (laughs) But I'd heard that on your previous podcast as well, but no, it, it was, it was very quiet. And then there, the atmosphere is just lovely. And uh, we had a circular booth like to ourselves. So we were like kind of in this little cocoon and uh, it, it was great. It, it was socially distanced, but it also was not that crowded. And I can't tell if it just wasn't that crowded or if that's how they were uh, spacing, spacing out. But it was a wonderful dining experience for sure. That's awesome. And then besides that, I know you used mobile ordering very liberally. So are any tips you have for mobile order? You know, one thing I was curious about is I'm seeing that like sometimes if you wait too late to mobile order, like you might sometimes have to wait an hour for your like pickup time or stuff like that. So what kind of experiences did you have mobile ordering? Well, I I could see how that might could happen. But before the trip, I did a lot of research just because you're used to these Disney trips being quite honestly, overly planned. And when you are you kind of feel like a fish out of water when you don't have all these reservations, you have to do this new mobile ordering. So I did a lot of listening to podcasts to figure out, you know, how to best manage that. And a good tip is to like, when you're waiting in the line, you have nothing else to do. Talk about your next eating, which I want to have for lunch or, and then look up what's available. Look up the menus. You can do all that while you're in line waiting and you can place your order and choose your pickup time. So you may be 45 minutes out if you're on a ride line or whatnot, but I didn't have any trouble with having to wait any additional time outside of my pickup window. It was all very smooth and we did it. We mostly had dinner and breakfast for quick service, but it worked beautifully. And I hope they keep the mobile order in place because I think it cuts down on those lines and having the menus readily available on the um on the My Disney Experience app. I mean, you can do it all in your wait times in the lines for rides and it makes it pretty seamless. Yeah, I do think that this has really upped Disney's timetable on a lot of things like mobile order. And I agree with you. It just doesn't even make sense for them to go back to the way things used to be. Everything should be mobile order from now on. I agree. So did you try any new quick service restaurants that you hadn't tried in the past and did they stand out to you? Well, I'll tell you one that we really enjoyed was uh, 
Primo Piata, I believe is how you say it, at Riviera. It's their quick service. Um, it's like the, so the Riviera is the new resort and it's it's just like a, every deluxe resort has like a quick service where you can just pick up stuff. So it was right. that kind of deal. Yes. And we rode the Skyliner. Now, in order to get over there before the Skyliner was like actually operating, we had to show our mobile order to the Skyliner attendant. And then they put us on the Skyliner on our own to go to that hotel. But it was like a three minute ride, maybe. And they had excellent breakfast. I mean, it was just, it was delicious. It was presented like in a gourmet way, although it is quick service, but it was great. And for, you know, if you're at Caribbean Beach, I would would recommend going there because sometimes that resort is so large to get to their restaurant, it'd be quicker to go to the Riviera. That was a a tip I'd picked up during my research. And I'm so glad we did that. And we tried to do it on our last day, but we got too much of a late start before our flight. So we didn't get to do it again, but we, we wish we would have. That was a, that was a great breakfast spot for us. Yeah, if you're at Caribbean Beach, you can just walk over there if you want. Sure. That's why the Skyliner ride is two minutes long. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, love to ride the Skyliner. So that's good, too. I have a uh, off-the-cuff question. It does sound like you are quite a bit of a planner. And some of us who really like to plan Disney trips might be, uh, how do you say, disappointed that you don't get to plan as much as you used to. So as a planner, how did it feel being a little bit more on the fly, flying by the seat of your pants at Disney? Or did you still find a way to plan past that? Well, I'm not going to say I, I, I overplanned. I planned what I could. And then I had a park plan for how to attack the parks with the no fast path because that was kind of <laughs> concerning. I didn't want to have but but listening to all the reports, the lines were manageable and all that. But if you do your research, there's ways to attack the parks in regard to what rides you need to go to first when you're rope dropping and all that. So we had a good idea in our mind of what we were going to go to first, second, third, fourth, and so on. But also with not being able to plan so much, you can, you're not rushing off to your next reservation or your next fast pass or trying to get another fast pass. So in that respect, I kind of liked the balance that there was. I mean, we knew when we were going to sit down to have a table service meal, take a break from our mass. And that was nice. That was the scheduled point in our day. But really after that, I mean, it was really all whatever we wanted to do. We could chase down wait times. You, you could be pretty flexible. And because the crowds were so manageable, it didn't feel like you were missing out on anything. I mean, we rode Everest six times in one day. And it was basically walk, walk on in the middle of the day. So that was crazy to me. And it, we loved it. So it, it was a good balance. Again, I just equate it to like the 1990s when, when you had <laughs> to go no get fast a fast pass, pass either. at the key. Oh, you had to get, and... yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that. I just, I feel like if we went right now, my wife would be so much happier because when we're normally there, I'm just buried in my phone all the time getting the next fast pass. But, uh, you know, this seems like a more relaxed experience for the non-crazy Disney people in the world. Right. Yeah, I I agree. I enjoyed myself a little bit more. And I'm the one that wears that hat that tells everybody in our in our family, okay, we're going to this place next, we're going to that place next. This is available. You know, that's pretty much on on me for the trip. So it was a little bit more relaxing for me, if I have to say. (laughs) Cruise director got to take it easy a little (laughs) bit. 
So thanks so much for sharing your experience. It sounds like it was an awesome trip. And I know there was so much more. We like to generally end with a Disney do or don't. So do you have a Disney do or a Disney don't to share with our listeners before we close it out? I would just recommend that you really familiarize yourself with the My Disney Experience app because of the mobile order. You're, you know, adjusting your table service reservations, finding the wait, the wait times, the park maps, just understanding that app and being able to navigate through it really can help you have the best trip possible because you have all that information literally at your fingertips. They've changed a lot on that app since we had been last. So I did have to kind of get in there and, you know, do a pretend mobile order. I mean, of course it wouldn't let me do it from Mississippi, (laughs) but you could get as far as you could in it just to kind of understand how that goes. Um, I always, the pack mule in the family as well. So I'm in charge of the backpack. And so I always pack that for the day ahead the night before. Make sure that that's all ready to go. All you have to do is grab it. So those are my two big points. And then like we just talked about, I I would like to add this, you know, you can have your plans, but always be flexible and be ready to watch for those little magical moments. I mean, you're right. We're always like chasing down a fast, fast time or looking for things on the phone, chasing down wait times. But my son and I had a really cool experience on Everest. I think it was the fifth time we had had been on it and we got we you were in keep the, rubbing that in the number of yeah, times that we, wrote know, times. you should be proud you should be proud <laughs> but um we we were in car number one so the very front of the coaster and we got stopped at the top of the mountain for longer than usual like abnormally longer than usual and we just kind of peered up and you had the most breathtaking view of all of the park and you could see all the, the, the big landmarks, Epcot, Tower of Terror, you could see it all from up there. And we were, stu- we were kind of stuck. I mean, I, I think it was way longer than it normally keeps you up there. So I'm not sure what was going on down below, but my son and I were able to take in this amazing view and have this really cool moment up there. And I didn't get, I didn't take out my phone because I thought, you know, as sure as I do, we're going to race backwards and (laughs) there goes my phone. But it was a really cool moment and we just kind of took it in up there and then we raced backwards and (laughs) we're back to screaming. But it was a neat, you know, you got to watch for those little moments. And I think this trip, it was easier to do that because we weren't so planned and weren't so chasing down the fast passes like you said. So it was great. That's beautifully said and a perfect place to end this trip report. Marissa, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your experience. I know that you did a longer version of this trip report with more of the details. If people want to hear that, where can they check it out? Although I'm not sure if it's published yet. Yeah, that It should come out um, in March, I believe. And that's on Geekin' on Walt Disney World with Kurt Stone. That's awesome. So if you want to hear about the rest of Marissa's trip, who knows, maybe she rode Flight of Passage eight times in a row. You'll have to tune in to Geeking on Walt Disney World to find out about that. But Marissa, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat and to share your trip report. I really love to hear it. And thank you for all the tips. Thank you, Jay. Take care.